Hey, Playmaker, before we dive into today's episode, I just wanted to share one quick thing with you because it's super time sensitive. So if you're listening to this episode as it gets released, there is still time to sign up for my annual five-day Validate Your Business Idea Challenge. So if you are still in the planning phases of your indoor playground, I want to invite you to head to the show notes and learn more about this once per year opportunity to work with me and go through my proven five-step framework that has helped thousands of prospective owners walk away with complete clarity regarding not only if an indoor playground will be sustainable in their area, but also what type of space they should seek to open for maximum profitability and competitive advantage. To learn more about what we will be learning each day of the challenge, how you can join the online community just for challenge participants and more, head to the show notes or simply go to michellecarawana.com slash validate. And as a quick note, if you're listening to this episode after the 2023 challenge wraps up, that's okay. You can use that same link in the show notes to get access to the challenge content or sign up for next year's challenge. I will see you there. If you're in the play and party business and you want to operate with more ease and joy, all while making the living you dreamed of, I created the Profitable Play Podcast just for you. Join me, your host, Michelle Caruana, for Small But Mighty Tips Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays that will all add up to a big impact on your mindset, your business, and your bottom line. Stick with me to keep the passion and grow the profit in your play or party-based business. All right, Playmakers. So this is going to be a different kind of episode, but I hope you'll find it helpful as a follow-up from last week's episodes all about summer camps. I got a lot of questions about offering summer camps in general and the legalities of it, so I wanted to take some time here in this episode to answer some of the most asked questions in case you were left wondering last week. And if you have any additional questions about drop-off care or need anything clarified, please feel free to send me a DM on Instagram. I would love to hear from you. My profile is linked in the show notes. And while you're there in the show notes, check out all of my free and paid resources for indoor playground owners, including my What's Working Guide for 2023, my YouTube channel, my Play Cafe Academy course, all that. And as a quick reminder, if you find these tips helpful, the best way you can show support for me or for the show is to leave a rating and review wherever you are listening. All right, let's start with frequently asked question number one. Do I need a daycare license to operate summer camps or an after-school program or drop-off care? And unfortunately, this is going to be completely dependent on your state and county's rules and regulations, which we're going to get into as part of the next question. But chances are no you typically will not need any additional licenses to operate a legal summer camp or short-term drop-off care program. And as we go through this episode, I just want to say one thing. As a parent, I was honestly really shocked and, I mean, quite frankly, horrified at the lack of rules and regulations around businesses like ours offering drop-off care because in most areas, including my own, there really aren't enough. So I'm going to give you the basics, but I also want you to take everything I say, knowing that you're allowed to create your own policies and your own procedures based on what makes you feel most comfortable and most secure as a business owner. 
I really hope that there is going to be a tightening on the regulations around these short-term drop-off care programs. Again, I'm just going to give you the information and then you can do what feels right to you. So that brings us to number two. How do I know my local laws about offering a drop-off program? Now, I would highly recommend that your first step in researching your local laws and regulations around drop-off care to be call your local health department. And by local, I mean your county health department. So if you're in the United States, and I'm going to use my area, for example, I wouldn't call the New York State Department of Health. I would call the Erie County or Ontario County Department of Health. I, you know, live in a different area than my play cafe was located. So again, call your county's health department. They'll be able to provide you more direction around what exactly you're able to offer in terms of length of care. So for example, no more than five hours per day per child, which is what it was for us, number of children, any adult to child ratio regulations, and any restrictions on age or toilet training status. Now, even though we were technically able to provide up to five hours of care per child per day, again, this was a perfect example where I didn't feel comfortable offering anything over than three hours just because of the age of the kids and so many different factors. But again, do what feels right to you because if a parent is late or shows up any amount of time early or anything like that, it could put you in hot water and we do not want that. So If you can provide, let's say, a maximum of five hours, I would definitely not do more than three or four just to protect yourself in case anything happens. Now, your local health department will also be able to provide you with anything your actual space will need to include in order to offer drop-off care. So, for example, certain signage, sink and bathroom requirements, that sort of thing. They'll also mention if your staff is required to have background checks or any special certifications like CPR training. In addition to your local health department, there are two more people I would recommend speaking to before advertising your summer camp program at your indoor playground business. First, I would consult a business lawyer to help create a new waiver specifically for drop-off care. So I provide a template of our drop-off waiver for my Play Cafe Academy students, but you'll likely need to include additional fields in addition to what you already have on your waiver. So for example, any allergy information or applicable health information, emergency contact info, and any additional rules or policies caregivers may need to know or agree to before leaving their child in your care. Next, I would clear a drop-off program with my business liability insurance company to ensure I was completely covered in terms of premium amounts and coverage type in the event of an emergency or injury at our summer camp program. All right, question number three, how do I handle bathroom breaks and diaper changes? And This is another thing that will likely be dictated by your local health department, so be sure to check with them. We were technically able to accept children within any age range within our time limit. And again, at the time, it was five hours of care per child per day at most. But after the first season, we made a business decision that children needed to be fully potty trained and bathroom independent if they were going to attend camp or any of our drop-off services. 
we found that it was too difficult for one camp leader and one camp assistant to be occupied in the bathroom so much assisting other children or changing diapers. So in order to comfortably and safely accept children who needed this assistance, we would have needed three or four staff members at least. This additional labor cost would have led us to need to increase our prices to an unrealistic level for what people were willing to pay in our area. We did still require parents to send in an extra change of clothes with their child just in case of accidents or spills. But again, this is one of those gray areas. And again, this is another thing that as a parent, I'm kind of horrified about that somebody can change my child's diaper without any special certification or licensing or anything like that. So again, double check with your loyal, with your <laughs> your lawyer, your health department, and uh, your health, your insurance provider. All right, number four, how can I keep my members happy and continue offering open play while also operating summer camps? And this is going to be dependent on your space. So for us, we were just not able to safely or comfortably offer drop-off care during open play because we did not have a separate classroom. We did try offering the two services concurrently for a while, but it was way too overwhelming for staff and it made parents, the drop-off parents, more uneasy than if we were closed to the public. It also sent an unclear message to open play parents, some of whom saw children being supervised in the play area and just assumed that it was a service included for all, which led to them becoming distracted and not monitoring their children properly. We tried having children wear, you know, logo t-shirts that we provided for them. We tried wristbands, but again, unfortunately, parents and customers are just, again, they're not always going to pick up on those things like we would hope. So for us, we were just not able to offer drop-off care despite our best efforts during open play. So in order to retain our unlimited open play members and still safely offer summer camps, which we absolutely needed to supplement our revenue in the summer, we decided to offer open play from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. and then summer camp from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. So we would close to the public at 1 p.m. Because we primarily served children under four for open play, Afternoons were already really slow due to nap schedules. However, since our camps were more geared towards children for and over, which I talk more about in my podcast episode 158 about designing your summer camp program, the afternoon was the perfect time for these older kiddos to get out of the house or inside from the hot summer sun. This allowed us to easily serve both groups of customers and not lose out on either revenue stream, despite not having that extra classroom. We did not find that we needed any turnaround time between open play and camps, since our staff found it easy enough to maintain a clean play area and set up any needed camp activities ahead of time at the end of their shift. Since no new customers typically came in within an hour of closing, this freed up our staff members to you know, they were away from the check-in counter, so it freed them up to complete these tasks while open play was still occurring. All right, question number five, should I offer five-day camp packages or individual days? And this is just my opinion, but we tried both ways and we found it so much easier to sell five-day camp passes instead of individual days. And 
having them be on five consecutive weekdays, so Monday through Friday. This goes along with my overall principle of focusing keenly on big ticket revenue streams. So in this case, that big ticket item is a pack of five camp passes instead of those individual days. If you're able to accept, let's say, 12 drop-off campers per day, by selling packs of five consecutive days, you're only required to make 12 sales per week of camp. If you allow individual passes to be sold, you'll now be tasked with making 60 separate sales and transactions, which you'll find to be as difficult as as it sounds. Again, as someone who has been there, done that. I thought, oh, well, people are probably going to pick five, six, seven days anyways. But nope, a lot of people just chose one day. And then they always, you know, try to remind themselves to sign up for additional days. But things happen in the summer. Things come up. So again, I definitely recommend selling packs of five days. And by requiring a purchase of five camp days in a row, you're attracting customers who trust you already and respect your space and your offering. And they likely know that their child will enjoy the type of camps you're offering since they're making a larger investment. So they're not just trying it out. Plus, by requiring a five-day commitment, you're you're able to offer a better, more enriching experience because the camp leader has a longer time with the children. Drop-in summer camps, like those individual days, will closely resemble and be used as a babysitting service. And it's not likely the camp counselor or the other children will have enough time to form a decorum or relationship, thus resulting in little positive impact from the experience for the children attending. Like, for example, when we would do a five-day camp, that first day Monday was always a little chaotic. It was always a little crazy. Everyone's getting to know each other and getting used to the environment. And all of the real, you know, education, enriching experiences those all came, you know, Tuesday through Friday, Friday after that first initial day. So if you're only selling single passes, you're never able to get to that place of peace and calm. The only exception for us would be if we had a spot or two in a camp week that did not end up being filled for whatever reason. So if we had any camp vacancies. So in that scenario, we might allow people to book individual days at a higher per diem rate as sort of like a camp trial, which might hopefully lead them to booking a full week that season or next. All right, question number six. What if parents are late picking their child up from camp? Now, we included this policy of ours in our camp waiver, which again, I share with my Play Cafe Academy students, stating that parents will be charged a fee, and typically this fee is between $5 and $20, Per minute, they are late to pick their child up. And if your kids have ever been in daycare, you'll be all too familiar with this type of policy. And we kept a credit card on file should we need to invoke any of these additional charges. This acted as a deterrent to prevent parents from picking up their kids late. But we also understood that, you know, things happen, traffic, emergencies, things like that. So we charged these fees on a case-by-case basis. If parents are exceptionally late, like more than 10 or 15 minutes, honestly, even more than like three or four minutes, we call them. And then if they don't answer, we call their emergency contact. Now, we were always able to get a hold of someone within a few tries. If we were unable to, our staff was instructed to call Child Protective Services 
although it never resorted to that. But again, I would also include any of those policies in your waiver so that it's very clear what will happen upfront before parents drop off their kids. All right, two more questions. Question number seven, what if there is an emergency at camp? Now, I linked in the show notes my blog, all or, ugh, my podcast episode all about preparing for an emergency. So again, check out the show notes for that episode. But typically, you would treat an emergency during drop-off care similar to what you would during open play hours. For a minor injury or emergency, we would call the parents and emergency contact and fill out and document an incident report detailing everything we needed to to make sure we had it on file in case they filed any sort of lawsuit or made an insurance claim or anything like that. For anything major, parents had already given us permission per our drop-off waiver to call the police or emergency services and accept an ambulance ride for the child on behalf of their legal guardian. So parents basically had to say, yes, you can call 911 if my child gets hurt. Yes, you can accept an ambulance ride and I am going to accept those charges. If you go through the proper steps that I mentioned and clear your summer camp program and procedures with your lawyer and insurance provider, you should not be exposed to any additional liability unless it was due to staff error or neglect. But I linked a video, I got it right this time, I linked a YouTube video in the show notes all about liability and when or when you are liable versus when you are not liable, when you should go to court, all that sort of thing. All right, last question, <laughs> question number eight. What if I'm too nervous to offer drop-off services? Well, that's okay. Honestly, again, truth time here, sometimes offering drop-off care or summer camps as a revenue stream is just not worth the stress, energy, and mental toll on the owner. If you are really set on offering a camp service, but feel unease, and let's say you're located in a plaza or very close to a local restaurant or a coffee shop, you can try contacting the owner and ask if they'd like to form a partnership in which parents stay there and maybe get a discount on food or drink while their children are in your care. While this may not be an ideal situation for parents, especially if they want to like run errands or go to appointments or anything like that, it ensures that they will be nearby should their child need, you know, uh, to go to the bathroom or has an accident or has any other issue. All right. So I hope this episode cleared up any questions that you may have had. But again, my Instagram is linked in the show notes should you have any additional questions. And if you'd like to join Play Cafe Academy and unlock a free month inside my group coaching and resource membership and get all the resources I mentioned throughout this episode, which is called Playmaker Society, just visit the link in the show notes. We would love to help you create a profitable and enjoyable summer camp program for your indoor playground or play cafe business. All right. I will see you guys right back here on Wednesday.